today on 2C Fans. Kind of interesting little little tidbit is the aquarium actually opened its doors in 1980, which was the year I was born. So uh, me and the aquarium share a birth date, and uh, it's kind of exciting for me though to uh, you know in the past 10 years that I've been here to see all the changes that we've gone through. Uh, bringing on our special exhibits has been something that's just been absolutely spectacular. Hello and welcome to Two Sea Fans at Moat Marine Laboratory. I'm Haley Retger. And I'm Joe Nicholson. And we have the pleasure to be here with Evan Barniscus, who's our Assistant Vice President for Moat Aquarium. And Evan is going to tell us all about aquarium stuff and things. First, I, I want to know, like, what's the focus of your job in a nutshell? I guess my job is basically um, the general operating of the aquarium, uh, dealing with the animals, dealing with our guest services staff, gift shop staff, uh, just about everything that our visitors get to enjoy while they're here at the aquarium. So you're dealing with the animals and the humans. That's right. <laughs> Which that one is tougher? Sounds like well, fun. Let's see. I started out working with the animals, and okay. I loved it. I, um, you know, was immersed in algae and scrubbing pads and protein skimmer funk, um, and uh, I guess I was doing a good job or not a good job. I'm not sure which. And then they promoted me to sitting behind a desk and going to <laughs> meetings all day. Well, you must be a nice guy. We think you're a nice guy. Yes, yes, yes. He hesitated. Yes. I, I, yes. Evan is a nice guy. On the record. There you go. <laughs> First time ever saying that, isn't it, Joe? On the record. Evan is a nice guy. And on the record, so is Joe. Yes. <laughs> um, but I would like Evan to describe Moat Aquarium because it actually is a very nice place. It is, and it's gone through a lot of changes, yes. and especially over the last, what, six years? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been here 10 years now, and I've seen substantial changes in that short time period. Um, kind of interesting little, little tidbit is the aquarium actually opened its doors in 1980, which was the year I was born. So um, me and the aquarium share a birth date, and uh, it's kind of exciting for me, though, to, uh, you know, in the past 10 years that I've been here, to see all the changes that we've gone through. Uh, bringing on our special exhibits has been something that's just been absolutely spectacular. We've gone through uh, penguins, mm -hmm. and um, we also did sea lions, and survivors, oh baby, and now otters. Ah, oh, the otters. Oh, the otters. Haley's favorite. Ah, oh, as in A-W-W, but also awesome. I like the otters. Okay. Um, so what's, give us a few, Evan's laughing at us quietly. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with these two? Why are they being so abnormally nice? <laughs> <laughs> this is how we behave in front of other people. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, give us a few snapshots of it, of the stuff behind the scenes. Cause okay. The public sees that they might know that we have more than 100 marine species. They might know that we have sharks and sea turtles and manatees. They might have come to see those things. They might have put their two fingers in the touch pool and petted a sea cucumber or something. But behind the scenes, what does it take to keep all of these animals 
healthy, what does it take to keep the place running? You must have like a team of millions to keep this place going. <laughs> oh, yes, we do have millions of bacteria that help us to uh, remove the ammonia uh, that's actually excreted by all these animals as waste into the water. But what about your non-bacterial friends? Uh, yes, our staff. We have uh, about 50 staff total that work throughout the aquarium. Um, that includes those that work with the animals and those that work with the people. I had no idea there was that actually that many. We, uh, it takes a lot to run an aquarium, a lot. These guys and girls are fantastic, though. Um, what a lot of folks don't know is that many of our staff work tirelessly at getting these animals to reproduce here at the aquarium. That's one of our main goals, is to be able to create a home for these animals that they feel comfortable and happy enough to actually reproduce and then therefore we have offspring that we can continue to utilize for education purposes either here at Moat Aquarium or we can supply them to other zoos and aquariums throughout the United States. What are your like favorite examples of that lately? What species? Uh, the cuttlefish are fantastic. They're absolutely hypnotizing animals um, and we have a tremendous staff member Brian Siegel that works with them and uh, he's reproduced I think now over four different species of cuttlefish as well as a couple different species of octopus as well. So cuttlefish are like, or at least our flamboyant cuttlefish, to me I would use the word psychedelic. Indeed. They, uh, they change color so fast and um, I don't know, they're like a what would you compare that to? How would you tell somebody about it who's never seen a flamboyant cuttlefish? Well, hmm, interesting. Well, I, I guess I'm not really sure what the art form is called, but I saw something on uh, YouTube recently where you can paint with kids in milk, I believe it is, milk and food coloring, perhaps, uh, where you can kind of swirl it around, and as you swirl it, the colors continue to swirl and change and come up and down. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it wasn't milk, but it sure looked like it because it was white. Uh, <laughs> heck are you talking about I <laughs> he's painting kids in milk and colors I don't know what's going on anymore <laughs> we get it though the swirling swirling swirling, swirling. swirling. swirling colors oh oh because the cuttlefish got you yes yes back to the cuttlefish okay. and they are cuttle not cuddle that's right yes. okay that's right they have beaks and very sticky tentacles that you don't want to hug on yeah, no, I don't want to cuddle them. I never think about that. Good. Although I think they are a little bit adorable behind the glass. Mm -hmm. Still there. Um, so you told us a little bit about you, you got here and you kind of worked your way up. Um, did you have a certain animal that you kind of focused on? I did. Yeah. I did. I um, the, the last animal species or group of species uh, that I was working with were the jellyfish here. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, it was fantastic working with them, <clears throat> being able to uh, understand their life cycle and uh, being able to successfully reproduce several different species of jellyfish um, and, and showcase them here on display to our visitors and then interact with our visitors and get to talk to them about them. Um, mm -hmm. it, it was a spectacular experience for me, and one I'm very proud I was able to have. What do they ask you about the jellies the most? I think the, uh, the best question I ever received from a guest was about our sea nettles. And the visitor said, uh, excuse me, sir, as I'm you know, back behind the scenes working hard, and I say, yes, sir, what can I do for you? He said, your, your sea nettles here, do they ever get tangled? Because they have very long, thin tentacles. And I said, actually, they do get tangled quite often. 
And he said, well, what do you do? I said, well, you know, I, I have to either let them run their course and they'll untangle or gently help them separate. And he turned to me and said, you mean you don't use the comb jellyfish to straighten them out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. It was great. That was great. I did not see humor. <laughs> I didn't see it coming at all. Oh, this is like my favorite two aquarium fish. And they're also the only undersea uh, superheroes. They're not fish, first they of all. They are. Jelly? No, not jelly. Oh. No, no, no. no. Batfish and sea robin. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> They're the crime-fighting underwater sea duo. <laughs> <laughs> and we have both of them on display at Moda You can come and see the famous undersea crime fighters. So even if you don't know anything about the ocean, if you would just like to make puns all day. You can come to Moda but we hope you learn something while you're here, for well, heaven's sake. That, that would be the goal. Yeah. First of all, that comb jellyfish, right? It's actually not a jellyfish. It's in a different group. Yes. The jellyfish. Okay. Yes, they're invertebrates. So yeah. they're, they're, not, they're not fish at all, mm -hmm. actually. They're related to corals and anemones. They're in the phylum Nidaria. But not comb jellies, right? Uh, comb jellies, no. Comb jellies are separate. They actually do not have stinging cells, so therefore they're separated out from the jellyfish and the uh, corals. Yeah. So, um, wait, do you have any questions before I keep firing away? Well, I was going to ask him if he had any interesting memories or stories uh. he could tell us about his adventures here at Moat. Oh, the memories and the stories. Um... Let's see. I have so many to share. It's hard to pick one good one. We're uh, thinking along the lines of, you know you work at an aquarium when dot dot dot. You fall in a tank at an airport. <laughs> <laughs> well, that never happened to me. Oh, okay. However, I have been on quite a few um, trips that we go out to collect jellyfish um, from our local waters. And um, jellyfish sting, as we all know. And uh, sometimes you happen to forget that, though. And uh, there was one time that we were out and we were scooping up um, upside-down jellyfish, which mm -hmm. hang out in the uh, still waters around mangroves and stuff like that. And we're out gently scooping them up and collecting them. We just collect a few, and then uh, we do that every few years, and then we utilize those as broodstock to produce animals here in the aquarium. But uh, it wasn't until about halfway through the collecting trip that we ended up in a very stagnant area and we started pulling these jellies up and all of a sudden both me and my coworkers' legs just started going on fire because these uh, jellyfish were releasing the nematocysts into the water. Wow. So rushing out of the water as quickly as we can to find little red dots covering our legs from all the stings we received. The nematocyst is the stinging cell? That's the stinging it's cell. It's like a harpoon, correct? That is, yes, yes. Yeah. A microscopic harpoon that shoots into your skin and then injects a venom into yeah. your skin. Nice. Yes. Is yeah. it, now when it, when it shoots out like that, is it attached to the jelly or they just discharge it? Well, the upside down jellyfish actually discharge their nematocysts huh. or stinging cells in a mucus. So it just goes everywhere throughout the water column. Gosh. What a pain in the leg. Hey. <laughs> so, I don't know, that's a pretty good story, but um, I want to get into the science. Like, we uh, at Moat Marine Lab, we're all about science. We say that all the time, and we try to reflect that in the aquarium. But, like, how specifically do you see us doing that? How does science get out through the aquarium? 
Uh, well, that's generally the aquarium's purpose of even existing, is to educate the public about the science that our researchers are doing. Um, mm -hmm. So as our visitors uh, meander through our aquarium, and not only are all inspired by the spectacular exhibits we create, um, there's a tremendous amount of educational material associated with all of these exhibits that focus on that research. Uh, they'll learn what our researchers are doing down in the Keys with coral reef restoration. They'll understand what our aquaculture uh, folks are doing with um, raising various uh, marine species for stock enhancement purposes, among other purposes. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it's a fantastic place to work because as our scientists continue to adapt their science to study new animals and understand various things of this ocean, uh, it's our job as the aquarium to continue to educate the public about all of that. So how can you tell the public's learning anything? Well, we have an amazing crew of volunteers that are stationed throughout the aquarium that engage our public during their visit. Um, so they, they really uh, help our visitors understand the graphics they're reading and then communicate to them even above and beyond what we're able to display through our graphics. Is there any scientific topic that's hard to communicate through the aquarium? Um, or does it come pretty easily? Like, I think over time it's become easier and easier for us. Uh, there's certainly still challenges um, specifically related to those issues of uh, ocean acidification, climate change, um, stuff where it's, it's not seen equally by all individuals. Mm -hmm. um, so again, we, we try to present just the facts mm -hmm. here, just the information, no opinions, but more, more the facts that our scientists are discovering. Yeah, and some of those things are just intangible, especially ocean acidification, OA. It's, um, we've even had art students come here and try to do interpretive exhibits in like competitions. Our local Ringling College has even done that to try to help us mm -hmm. communicate some of the harder topics, OA, red tide. Red tide specifically. Yeah, red tide, harmful algae. Can't see it very much, but boy does it do stuff. And that's a great thing about the aquarium is a lot of our visitors come here with that eagerness to learn, um, asking those questions about red tide and its harmful effects to humans and, you know, what should they be worried about and mm -hmm. hopefully they leave more informed. Yeah, and now the, nowadays I think I see so many more aquariums putting the emphasis on educating people and also undertaking science and conservation. I think it's interesting that Moat started with science first. Is that... Have you seen that? I don't know if you know, but is that uncommon among zoos and aquariums? I, I would agree with you that I think it is uncommon to start in that manner. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not terribly familiar of many that did. Um, it's just like you say, they're going the other way. They started out just as an entertainment. Entertainment, yeah. Yep. And now they're, they're finding that the only way they can actually, you know, have any kind of substance is by going the other way. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to the whole AZA thing, right? Yeah, what is the AZA and where do we fit in? I would fit right in the middle of it. Yep. Uh, actually, I guess, no, maybe at the end, because it's the Association of Zoos and <laughs> Aquariums. Well, I was just going to say, what does AZA mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, the AZA is a uh, it's a great organization that really helps to ensure that its members are um, you know, providing its visitors with an educational conservation based experience. Uh, the animals are all well taken care of, and um, it, they just they make you live up to standards that that are acceptable, mm -hmm. reasonable, and um, basically good practice. Yes, it's basically like keep your house clean, keep your house in order, and take care of your animals, give them the adequate space, 
be up to standard, all that good stuff. That's right. And we've had their accreditation for a long time, I guess. That's right. Yes, yeah. we have. I think it's been about almost 15 years now. It's been a while. Yeah. Very nice. Well, yeah, I think it's ever since the uh, expansion, uh, the connector building, and we, uh, you know, when we reopened the aquarium, mm-hmm. which it actually became known as, I believe, the aquarium before that it was more of the science center. The Marine Science Center. Yes. Mm-hmm. Although now our CEO has gone back to calling it an informal science education center. He loves to say that, which is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and so I guess we talked about it a little bit, but it seems like zoos and aquariums have a, a different role than they used to. Is there anything else that we should discuss about that? Um, I think that it's important for visitors and non-visitors to zoos and aquariums to understand the purpose. A zoo and aquarium in this day and age is not meant to just entertain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's meant to educate. It's meant to form a connection between nature and people. And so that people understand the need for conservation. That they can come to a zoo and aquarium, they can learn about the animals, they can learn about the habitats that they live in, and they can learn what they can do to help make sure that there will always be wild populations of these animals. Mm-hmm. in existence yeah it seems like we're seeing a lot of that in the news today well and it, it seems that would be a difficult thing to keep reinventing or keeping fresh um, at the aquarium how do you guys manage to keep coming up with new and exciting educational environmental um, displays or, or uh, experiences I guess well, it's it you know it's not just one of us. We have a whole team of individuals that get together to discuss these ideas and come up with new and innovative ways to communicate to the public the need to um, understand conservation and to act on conservation type issues. Uh, the the temporary exhibits, our special exhibits that we have been doing, have been a fantastic way to continue to provide our visitors with new exhibits. Um, but then again, you bring it back to our scientists who are continuing to find new topics to study, and that also is a continual uh, providing of. So they feed you ideas with their new and interesting ideas and research. So when exactly we it. bring in new and exciting new postdocs to the lab. Their research helps to inspire and uh, generate new ideas for the aquarium, you would say. That's exactly correct. Gotcha. Yeah, I think we're pretty lucky in that way. We always have 30-something postdocs around. What What would be your favorite display at the aquarium? Ooh. I'm sure every aquarist <laughs> has their own favorite. Yes. But what would be your personal favorite? So it's like and nobody's favorite, gonna take offense to it. Your favorite child. Yeah. Oh. Which, which, which is your favorite child at the aquarium, Evan? Well, I, you know, I think I have to go with the latest and greatest. Um, the otters. The otters. I, I really do. It was it was so much work putting that exhibit together. Um, a lot of a lot of hard work, physical and mental, um, and emotional. Mm-hmm. But it uh, it came together as probably one of uh, the most fantastic exhibits I've seen in a long time um, here and at other institutions. So quite proud of it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. You got some really good feedback from somebody once. You told me. I what did they say? Uh, they they'd said that that exhibit alone was worth the price of admission to the aquarium. Yeah, hmm. I kind of agree. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I uh, slept with a smile on that night. When yeah, I heard that. 
Sleep through the night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or did you? I don't know. <laughs> well, after the exhibit was open, those sleepless nights went away. Ah, good. <laughs> nice. good. Well, we all, um, we all worked very hard on otters, and yes. I can't wait to see what comes next. So um, before we finish up, I was curious if there's any anything that you think that either our aquarium or aquariums in general could improve about how they how the public experiences them, how they bring science to life, anything that you would like to see moving forward. Well, I I think that we're heading in the right direction, um, and I think that it is first and foremost in order to get your visitors to come through your door you have to be entertaining. You have to be visually spectacular. You have to offer auditory pleasures as well. You have to hit people with all their senses, give them things to touch as well. Um, so I think in engaging the people and getting them excited about what they're seeing, what they're doing, then that's where you need to teach them. You need to inform them and we need to make sure that when our visitors walk out of our door, they are leaving with a smile on their face but also a bit of a passion and a mission to make a change in their life that can better our environments. Mm. Wow. So profound. It's all, yeah, it's all, almost like you said that before. <laughs> <laughs> Very well said, sir. Very well said. Read it on a bathroom stall. Once. Okay. Do you have any last questions, even the, the obnoxious, like, always afraid to ask kind of questions? <laughs> what is a watershed? It's a shed that holds water, of okay. course. <laughs> you know when they deliver bottled waters? Yeah. They put them in a shed. And that's a watershed. That's a watershed. Okay. <laughs> that's terrible. Joe knows that our last ot that our otter exhibit is entirely about the watershed and he's ruining the education of that watersheds for the No, entire... now we know what a watershed is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're going to have some place you put water in and it's a shed. No. Oh. <laughs> oh. Can can you guys tell us the real definition between you? Can you concoct it for me? A watershed in my mind is where all the rain and runoff from the land uh, eventually ends up in the ocean but all that area that the water drains off of is the the watershed mm -hmm. i think not... he's pretty close right? he's pretty close yes yeah. am i you know yeah, that's, yeah. that's about it yeah, yeah. yep yeah. area yeah. of land that drains water toward rivers lakes the sea all that stuff so see, you're right. see that's what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> But if you actually came to see otters in their waters, you might learn. They're not sea otters. See to see them. Oh. <laughs> he was on top of that one, wasn't he? Joe, I wrote the exhibit. I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you, Evan, for joining us, and uh, it's been great. But can you give us a little uh, insight or a little heads up as to what the next um, exhibit will be? Um, you know, a little tidbit or something that may be a bit toothy 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 we already have a lot of sharks so it's gotta yeah. be something else Ooh, maybe he's resurrecting like jurassic park the megalodon what? they have dna from the megalodon whatever okay <laughs> <laughs> think think more watershed 
Ooh, yeah. watershed. Maybe something that could be in the otter's They have plastic bottles that are disguised <laughs> as fish. <laughs> Crocodilians, Joe. Oh, oh Crocodilians. Oh, okay. Crocodilians. I love a good crocodilian with a cold cerveza. And those are reptiles? Indeed they are. The Alligators and crocodiles. Uh -huh. Oh, very nice. When are they coming? Uh... Sometime in Soon. 17? Sometime 17. Really? More information to follow. follow. So if anybody wants to know, email Evan at... <laughs> 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 but seriously, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, don't forget, people, um, the laboratory and aquarium, you know, well, they, especially the scientists, rely on uh, your help. So please, when you visit our website, hit that good old donate button. And Haley? Mm-hmm. And visit the aquarium because that helps too. Every single ticket is helping the research. That's the point, you know. The Educate. point is education and research. Yes, it is. So uh, this has been fun. Uh, so we'll see you in a couple weeks. Uh, thanks a lot for listening from Two